What is up, everybody? It is January 8th. It's Monday. We are five weeks away from spring training. Hard to believe. I'm Justin Latta. This is Guardians of the Future. Happy New Year. I know usually the moratorium on that is like till January 4th or something, so I'm a couple days behind. In fairness, I wanted to do this podcast a week ago and I got sick. Um, it always kind of mean sick to start the new year. I don't know what it is. It's uh, always to start the new year, always on the Super Bowl. I get sick. Uh, always seems to happen. This year, no uh, adult beverages were involved for me being sick this year. Just very unfortunate. I learned my lesson in 2020 from that one. Um, but thanks for listening. Solo episode this week, but we got a lot to talk about since it's the first episode of the new year. Uh, thanks to those who submitted questions. We'll get to those in the later half of the podcast. I want to talk about 2024. It's going to be a big year for the Guardians farm system uh, for a lot of reasons. Just based on the makeup of the farm system right now, obviously they have the number one pick in the draft. That is, you know, enormous for this franchise as well. We're going to talk, uh, not going to talk a lot about that today because um, I got more draft stuff planned uh, coming up in the future here. But let's kick it off by talking about prospects who need big 2024 seasons and some reasons why. They need big 2024 seasons. So obviously um, anybody who was a college player in the 2021 draft for Cleveland, um, big year for them. This is going to be their rule five year. Uh, Gavin Williamson, Tanner Bybee already pushed the envelope on that one. They're on the 40 man roster. So they would have been a part of this already. That moved very quick, didn't it? Uh, Time, I don't know. Time doesn't slow down, but the guys that were part of that class that are up for, um, Rule 5 protection come November, which seems like a long way away, but as we just said, time moves very quickly. Franco Alamon, uh, who had a big year double A last year, he's Rule 5 eligible at the end of the year. We'll see if he can push his way onto the 40-man roster before then. I'll talk a little more about him. Uh, Trenton Denholm, who I, I had higher hopes for, truthfully, coming into uh, his experience as a, uh, a pro pitcher. Has not really held velocity all that well as a pro. I mean, there have been reports him of him being up to like 95, 94, 95 at times. I've never seen it in person. I saw him pitch last year for Lake County, and, um, you know, it was it was mostly 90, 92. And I still think he pitched well, but the velocity just hasn't held. So looking for a big year from, from Trenton Dunholm to see what happens there, um, to see if he can be a future rotation piece. I've, I've – Long thought, and I know my partner over at Lockdown Guardians, Jeff Ellis, has been on Trenton Denholm for a while and thinking that's a Guardians-type pitcher that they could help out. But he's a little undersized, and uh, I, the stuff is pretty solid. I think he can be a, a back-rotation guy, but uh, he is undersized. There is some athleticism there, but um, he needs to pitch more innings. He has not you know, built up a lot of bulk innings, maybe because of the size. But, uh, yeah, fastball velocity just has not been consistent from what I've seen. Jack Lefwich, uh, big fan of Jack Lefwich here. I really liked what I saw from him, his uh, debut year in 2022. He should not have been at low A. And I think we're just going to see this almost every year for Cleveland at this point is uh, a guy who probably needs to be at a higher level that won't be. And, you know, last year it was Parker Messick who started at Lynchburg, and that was due to um, having a back, backlog where guys at the upper levels needed innings and they didn't have enough guys to backfill at the lower level. So um, Parker Messick got caught up in that 
kind of mess. And then I think Jack Leftwich was guilty of that in 2022 as well. Easily could have started in high A. Pitched very well at both levels last year. Um, stuff backed up a little bit. The fastball was still – he was still up to 97 at times last year despite battling some some health issues and uh, just getting hit around quite a bit at double-A. He was 24. He's already turned 25. He'll pitch like 99% of the 2024 season at age 25 before turning 26. So this is a huge year for Jack Leftwich. Health Got to be healthy all year. Got to show he can start. We're just showing major league quality stuff and get to the year healthy. Um, so it happens to him. Tommy Mace, been waiting for Tommy Mace. I, I thought for sure Tommy Mace, out of the two of those guys, out of – there's three guys from Florida, right? From 2021, you got Franco Aleman and you've got uh, Leftwich, and you got Tommy Mace. All three guys from Florida in 2021. Aleman was kind of a wild card because of his background and being in different colleges and you know not having the greatest control. Leftwich had had rotated roles in college, so no one knew what you're going to get out of him. He seemed like a destined for the bullpen, which still could be the case. And you have Tommy Mace, who. I think came in with the pedigree of a guy who was going to be a fast-moving starter. He had size. He had college performance. He had upside. All that stuff just has not really, you know, taken hold for him at, at the pro level. Um, I want to see a step board for him in 2024. I think that's obviously, you know, being rule five year, huge for him. But so he needs a big year. I think Cleveland would really like that too. He is going to play all year at age 25, but uh, 2025 would be 26. So this is a uh, you know, to for lack of a better term, for a lot of these guys, it's going to be shooting it off the pot in, in some ways. Um, Doug McKenzie, I if you've listened to me on any podcast over the last couple of years, you know that I am a huge Doug McKenzie guy going back to his days at Ole Miss. I am a sucker for a lefty with that Barry Zito type curveball. Um, and and left and McKenzie can get up to 95 at times, he's really more 90, 90 93, hit 94, but the, it's the control. There's just no control right there. He doesn't know where it's going. He's got a good slider. I think the changeup still isn't work in progress. But for Doug, it's all about the control. I love the athleticism. I love the competitive spirit he's got. I think he loves to pitch. He loves to compete. Um, I think he's a smart kid. He just, you know, again, he'll be 24 for the majority of the season. He's going to turn 25 in August. That's it's getting a little bit old. So um, massive, massive year for, for Doug and Casey's future. Uh, Ryan Webb. Ryan Webb, part of that 2021 class, he had a great Arizona Fall League. Uh, if you listen to Lockdown Guardians on January 8th, we talked about him extensively. Um, guy is also going to be 25 all of next season. Again, this is this is going to be an older draft class because of the COVID year, and Cleveland went with a lot of pitching, so a lot of older guys uh, <clears throat> at this point. Ryan Webb, you know, he's going to be Region AA at age 25. It's a big year for him to show what he can do and get on the 40-man roster. I think he can do it. He had a good AFL, and that's not an easy place to pitch. And I thought he came on strong at the end of the year. You know, a guy who a lot of people felt that Ryan Webb was a first-round talent in 2021, and then Tommy John obviously kind of hurt him and held him back there. And last year, you know, 18 months removed, maybe a little bit longer than from Tommy John. So going into 2024, uh, very, very far removed from Tommy John. He had an abdomen injury in 2023. So, you know, you got to watch out for the health with him, but he can miss some bats. He's got some stuff. Uh, the control got better later in the year. I'm expecting big things for him in 2024. And the last guy from that class, I'm going to highlight. There are others. There are guys, other guys in that class, but the other guy I'm going to highlight in terms of, you know, because there's Hunter Stanley, um, 
you know, there's Connor Cox, who's an outfielder. There is uh, Reed Johnston and, and Aaron Davenport. I'm just, I'm not going to throw their names in here because I just don't think that they're on the radar the way these guys are. But uh, Davis Sharp, don't sleep on Davis Sharp. He kind of gets lost in the shuffle a little bit because um, he's a reliever. But, you know, we talk about Cade Smith a little bit. We talk about Franco Alamon. Obviously made a lot of headlines last year, late in the year. Um, Davis Sharp is consistent. He misses bats. He has probably the best control of any reliever in the minors for Cleveland. Um, you know, the fastball is maybe average. Like, we're talking 92, 93. It's got some some angle on it, so it, it, it plays up somewhat, but it could be better. I love the slider. I think it's a good pitch for him. I like the athleticism. I think there's still upside there. Don't forget that Davis Sharp was a uh, infielder in college, so he was a two-way player. So if he is on, let's see, this will be year three of him focusing pitching specifically. He should start the air in AAA. He threw 60 innings last year. I, I'd be curious to see if Cleveland kind of uses him in a hybrid uh, starter reliever role to see what they do with him. Um, he doesn't throw as hard as Cody Morris, who's now gone, obviously, but there's some Cody Morris there, not in terms of injuries, but just in terms of size and um, potential stuff and maybe that role. So I'd be curious. He definitely needs some more fastball velocity, uh, but the control is really good, and I like some of the stuff. So don't sleep on Davis Sharp. He get, doesn't get a lot of attention behind Alamon and Cade Smith and, and you know the other guys who could be relievers, but I really like Davis Sharp. He could be good. All right, other Rule 5 guys coming into 2024, um, mostly from the 2020 draft class, the high school kids. So all the high school kids who were taken in 2020, unfortunately, were Petey Halpin, Milan Tolentino, and Carson Tucker. Yeah, uh, this is a big year for them. This is a big year for their career. They're obviously out yeah, younger, so if things don't go that well for them this year, um, it's not over. You know, it's, it's not definitely not over, but obviously Petey and Milan Tolentino are double A. Um, Petey had a really strong end to 2022. He got better as the year went on. Defensively, I really like what he could do. He runs well. He can take a walk at times, um, a little bit, little bit of pop from the left side, but uh, never really put a consistent effort together in double A last year. He was a little young for the level still, but he just never like found that stretch where he looked like he did in 2022 um, in Lake County, where he started to put things together in the second half. It just it didn't happen for him in, in Akron. So he's probably going to repeat the level in 2022, but it's a big year for him. Uh, Tolentino made it to double A last year and, um, you know, didn't really hit that well. I don't have a lot of high expectations for Tolentino right now. I, I think he's a reserve infielder at this point, but obviously a big year for him. And I don't know what else you can say about Carson Tucker right now. He just hasn't been on the field a whole lot. And when he has, it's been hard to find uh, consistency in his game. You know, there'll be flashes at times and it, it just hasn't happened. So, uh, you know, he's got to be on the field. I, I don't know if he's going to go to Lake County this year or if he's going to be at Lynchburg. The infield's in a weird spot. I mean, uh, you got guys moving up to, to Lynchburg this year in an infield role. I mean, Alex Mooney probably Alex Moon probably should go to Lake County. Uh, Welbin Francisca is going to be in Arizona. Rafael Ramirez Jr., who we're going to talk about later in this podcast, he's going to be in Lynchburg, I assume. So, like, you've got a weird cluster of guys that are going to Lynchburg. I don't know. I guess Carson Tucker might have to start in. Lake County, you just got to hope he finds it. But uh, it's going to be an interesting year for him. 
guys who are running out of options and time. So these guys aren't all prospects, I will say, but uh, it's important to note for these guys. These guys are all down to one option year left, which is 2024 for most of them. We'll see what happens if they stick on the big league roster. But um, just alphabetical, Gabriel Arias, I know he's no longer a prospect, but um, this is his last, he, I guess last year would have been his last option year. He was never optioned down, but he's only got one left. So, uh, you know, it's a, he's got to stick at the major league level, I think, this year. And, you know, he's going to, he should reasonably get, be given every chance to hold the big league job this year. And if he doesn't, I don't know what his future holds. I, I could see a path where whoever between Arias and Rocchio doesn't win the spring training. Well, given they have options, I guess I'd be hard pressed to say they would do that. But at the same time, I was going to say one of them could get traded if they don't win the spring training battle at shortstop. But um, I guess that's really value dependent and they have an option. So there's no reason to do that. I guess if they are both out of options, I guess that would be the case. But um, one of those guys is probably going to triple A at the end of March. So they, it's a big year for all, both of them to figure out what's going to happen. I mean, whoever goes triple A needs to play hot and, and stay on the heels of the other, at the major league level and whoever at the major league level at shortstop needs to play with their hair on fire um, as well. And we'll mention Tyler Freeman, also down to one option left. I don't believe he got option. He did go. He did play in Columbus last year at points. So this is his last option year. We'll see if he sticks on the bench. What happens to him? Um, I mentioned Brian Rocchio. This is his last option year in 2024 as well. If he goes if he goes down. Um, remember, anybody who is sent down at the end of spring training, you know, once they are down in AAA for, uh, I forget what the time period is, but it's quick. It's like a week or 10 days or whatever. Um, once they're down there, that burns the option. So they have the option all year, obviously, to go up and down the five times that's allowed by the new CBA, but that's it. So going if they use it this year and going into 2025, that's it. They're out. Um, and then the last one is uh, – Ho- I'm sorry, not the last one. Jose Tena is on that list as well. So, uh, you know, I don't think he'll make the ball come out of, out of spring training unless something big happens. Um, who knows? They don't even get traded. I don't know, but – He's down to one option year left, so it's a huge year for him. And uh, you know, he made his major league debut last year. Obviously, it was a weird, weird debut. But um, I just don't know if uh, you know if he's going to be able to find a way to stick here. But he's had to battle his way back onto the roster for sure, or at least on the fringes. And then uh, George Valera, George Valera, uh, this is his last option year. Him and him and uh, I'll say him and. John Kenzie Noel, both this is their last option year right here. George Valera has to knock down the door to, to get on the major league roster. You know, he's got, um, you know, Chase DeLauder's got his own injury issues in the past, but he was on the field all second half last year, and he was good. And they sent him to the AFL, and he was good. So George Valera is going to have a lot of pressure on him. Uh, acquiring a guy like Estevan Florial. And paying five million or five million dollars to Ramon Laureano, if they were confident in George Valera's ability to claim a job and stick, and and they believed in him, I, I think you're not making both those decisions. I mean, Laureano's maybe more Miles Straw insurance, which is crazy. You're paying him more than Miles Straw, who's terrible, and and Ramon Laureano is a nice player, but he's not. I don't think he's a five million dollar player to most people, but he is here because. You know, you need insurance for the fact that you have basically one competent outfielder right now. Um, but, you know, if they felt like George Valera was was the answer, I don't think you're I don't think you're higher. You're not going out and getting Esteban Florio. You're not you're not paying Ramon Laureano five million dollars. 
um, because you want George Valera to take that job. I'm not saying this is how they feel. It's just my guess, but um, this is his last option year. So I, I don't feel like he's going to start the year in Cleveland in April because he just has not figured AAA out for the most part yet. He hasn't been healthy enough to, quite frankly, which continues to be a problem for him, his injuries. But um, it's his last option year. So when he goes to Columbus and he stays down there that 10 days or whatever, it's the last option year. So he's got to figure it out because um, come next year, you know, there's no other, other way to go with him unless they decide to trade him or give him that shot, you know, depending on what happens this year. I like my prediction all offseason has been that they will trade him. Uh, I guess I'm running out of time myself for that to come true, but um, I just kind of feel like they've gone in their direction how they feel about him, given, I don't know. And, and But now they're also acquiring, you know, Davis and De Los Santos and Esteban Florio, guys that are out of their prototype, and George Valera seems to fit that more. So maybe they're softening their stance and they'll hang on to him. I don't know. My, my guess is they. I thought they were going to be snapped to judgment and, and move on from a profile like that, but not the case so far. And John Kenson, well, also, his last option year, nowhere, nowhere for him to play. Um, I, I really don't believe Noel is an outfielder. Truthfully, um, he has the arm for right field. I don't know. I don't know if he'd be any worse in the outfield than Oscar Gonzalez, but I don't really think the path for him, um, at least the best path, path defensively, is the outfield. It's definitely first base, but he is 100% blocked at first base, so the outfield's going to have to do. Um, and and honestly, if if John Kenzie Noel, if whatever the 99th percentile outcome of John Kenzie Noel is offensively, um, I could care less what the defense looks like in right field for Noel because the 99th percentile outcome for him as a, as a hitter is so freaking good that the defense isn't going to matter. But my question really is, I don't think he's going to come close to that. I just don't, I don't see it. Um, I love the power. I love the, the personality of John Kenzie Noel. I think he'd be a, a star um, and be loved if he could get, to make the right kind of contact more consistently. It's just a lot of issues of him chasing bad pitches, making bad contact, um, and not being more selective. Not only has to walk more. He doesn't have to walk more. It's He's got to swing. He's got to make contact with the right pitches. He's got to be more patient and wait for the right pitch to hit. And uh, I got to look at the home road splits and see how well he benefited from playing in Columbus last year because it's obviously a home hitter park. But um, – yeah, last option year for him. He's going to start the year in AAA more than likely, and he's got to have a big, big year because coming into camp next year, you know, depending on what happens over the offseason, I mean, that's a whole year away, so anything can happen. But he's got to have a big year in AAA if, if this is going to work for him. Um, I just I just have a lot of doubts. I don't I don't know if the uh, the swing decisions are going to work for him, but we'll see. Um, this is a – this isn't really a family-friendly podcast, so – I guess I could have said shit or get off the pot, but this is a hit or pitch or get off the pot. Uh, big years for guys like Tanner Burns. Uh, we had a, I had a lot of people tell me that Tanner Burns was going to get picked in the Rule 5 draft. He might even be the first pick in the Rule 5 draft. Didn't get picked by anybody, and I'm not surprised. Anybody who followed him this year, I don't see any reason why you would use a roster spot on him if you're for, to force yourself to. Unless you just felt like, look, there's not a lot of teams out there that, that develop pitching better than Cleveland. You might Point to Tampa Bay. Um, there are some other teams out there that do do it well, but um, none of them took a chance on on Tanner Burns thinking they could do more than Cleveland has done with him. And I'm not saying his career is over by any means. He is a, a former uh, first-round pick. He's an SEC talent. The stuff was good in the SEC, and that means a lot. That stuff just has not carried into pro ball. The velocity has not carried. The stuff hasn't carried. He got moved to the bullpen for a reason. 
maybe he sees a career revival in the bullpen and he does make it a uh, career out of it. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I have, I'd have to look at the rotation situation, but I'm not going to do it now for Akron because I think he goes back to Akron in 2024. Um, but when I do the season preview for them, I'll take a look at what their rotation options are. Um, off the top of my head, like we're talking about Ryan Webb and Trent Denholm, Parker Messick, Ethan Hankins. So, uh, you know, there's some competition there. I'm not sure what they'll do, but he might repeat double A uh, at um, age 25. If he goes to triple A, he might be a relief piece, and that might be good for him. We'll see. Big year for him. Big year for Ethan Hankins. Um, he got a mulligan last year. I feel like Hankins got a mulligan, and he certainly showed flashes last year of, of quality stuff at times, uh, you know, getting into the 93, 96 range of the fastball, showing life, showing two breaking balls that were interesting. Um, but, you know, he also missed time again with a little bit of injury last year. And he just looked rusty. He looked like a guy who hadn't pitched in, in two years, three years. You know, he hadn't pitched in 2019. He didn't pitch all of 2020 through 2022, basically, for the most part. So, uh, save for a few innings and, and rehab stuff. But, he looked like a guy who just had been out of practice. Uh, Physique-wise, looked great. He was in good shape. He, he got taller. He got leaner. He seemed like he was in a better mind mindset to pitch and and appreciate the game. That's all good. But you know, now he knocked the rust off in 2023, so it's going to be on him in 2024 to pitch like a guy who was a a, a potential first round or was a first round pick, but was a potential much higher pick than where Cleveland got him. Um, in the 2018 draft at 35 overall. I mentioned Doug Nikhazy earlier. I think he's got to go out and have a big year. And this is, you know, even if it, even if he's a guy who moves to the bullpen, I, I'm not going to give a pope on Nikhazy because I love the stuff. The stuff has not backed up for him since college, like unlike Burns. Like Doug Nikhazy was not a hard, hard throw in college. He was not, you know, the same, 93, 94, um, with good ride and, and the big curveball and all that stuff that stuff is still there in the pros. He just has not had enough control to really make it work where hitters can wait for him to have to, have to throw a strike and it gets him in trouble because the biggest thing you see with, with the Nikhazy is he's either walking guys or he's striking guys out. And then he gives up a hit or two once he's walked the base is loaded. So uh, he's got to have a big year. And then I had a hard time. I was like, I need to put one hitter in this, this category of this, uh, you know, shit hitter pitcher get off the pot. Uh, because a lot of out, there's a lot of position players in the system that, you know, um, are, are younger. Like, you know, I could say Valera, I could say Noella in this category for sure. Um, there's not a lot of other guys who really, I think are like, you know, you're just waiting on to get it done. You know, okay. Angel Martinez, I guess I could have put in this category as well. You're waiting for Angel Martinez to, to put it back together, but you know, he's more of a, a bounce back guy who I'll talk about in a little bit. Um, candidates from that that side of the tracks but um hitting hitting wise the only guy i could really think of was alex Planez. he was hurt all last year so you know we'll see what happens there but i really love the talent of of alex Planez. but he's 22 and he has not played in a year basically and he is uh he went to double a for a little bit and i just have a hard time seeing how he is gonna to readjust at double a after all the time off but Big year for him. He was already Rule Five eligible. Had a lot of a lot of tools early on. Was kind of a profile of a player. Cleveland stopped favoring for a while. Maybe they're moving back in that direction. Maybe that buys him some more time. I don't know. But uh, tools are all there. He just has to put it on the field. Like Cleo Watson. I, I 
I feel like they're still it's too early to put him on this list, but I'm excited to watch him in 2024. I'll talk about some of those as well. Um, but yeah, I guess you know Tana, Noel, um, Valera, Martinez. Those are you know hit or get off the pot this year because if you don't, I don't know your future looks like in Cleveland or or in baseball. Truthfully, those guys need to get it together this year. Bounce backs, mostly injuries. Uh, hey, Daniel Espino's back in 2024. We think. I said on Lockdown Guardians, I said I'm gonna I'm gonna try to avoid getting sucked into the excitement. Um, nothing personal against Espino, but um, shoulder injuries are a big deal. Shoulder surgeries are a big deal, and uh, I need to hear that he is throwing bullpens and is throwing sim games or B games, whatever it is, and that there's no um, no. Injury, no no soreness being reported. She's consistently going out there, being able to throw bullpens, being able to throw in, in, in spring training games and not reporting any um, pain in that shoulder until I start to really feel like things are moving in the right direction for him. Justin Campbell, I'm excited to see him in 2024. Didn't pitch at all uh, his first year in the pros, so a little bit of a setback for him. Really need to see him get off to a good start. But he's, you know, like Hankins. He's going to – and it's not three years off, but it's a year off. He's going to be rusty, but, uh, you know, first-round pick, he'll get some time. Same with Dylan DeLucia. He wasn't a first-round pick, but, you know, a good college SEC pedigree. Um, curious to see if he can establish himself in the system as a guy who can be a, a future, you know, depth arm, back of the rotation type, maybe a little bit more. Um, but he missed a year, so he's going to need some rust. I mentioned Jack Leftwich with the injuries last year, and it's a big year for him. Um if he can get back to being the pitcher he was in 2022, I have a lot of hope for his future. So he could use a bounce back there year. Nick Nikolajek, uh, obviously recovering from Tommy John. I'd like to see him come back and, and see what he can do. Um, he was so close, like so close to being a, a guaranteed 40 man ad. He was going to be another reliever that was going to impact the bullpen. As soon as 2023, he was on track. But uh, then the stuff backed up in 2022. He had Tommy John, missed all last year. So uh, he'll be healthy this year coming back from Tommy John. There's going to be some rust there, but he was so close to that that 40-man spot and um, becoming a relief option like right out of the gate and, you know, a setback happened. So we'll see what he looks like coming back from that. But I was a big fan of the stuff. And, um, you know, I said Davis Sharp had some of the best control in the system from a reliever standpoint. Um, Mikulacek was up there at one point. We'll see how he bounces back from the injury. I expect, you know, control is the last thing that comes back. So he might come out of the gate and have control issues. And we're going to have to chalk that up to Rust and Tommy John. So it's going to be hard to judge. But, you know, he is getting older. He has missed time. His window for that role, that, that 40 man roster spot, you know, is getting tight. He's 26. So I'm hoping for a comeback, uh, comeback from him in 2024. Angel Martinez, I said down 2023 i was expecting martinez to be a, a potential top 100 prospect coming into the year um after 2022 and then to follow that up and hey development's not linear it's tough um just because you just because you have a good year doesn't mean the next year you're going to get better and you're going to build on it sometimes you get humbled sometimes uh you get hurt sometimes you know teams figure you out things happen uh sometimes things get in your way life life-wise um so we'll see what happens with him, but I, I, I would like to see a bounce back for him. He needs it for sure. And then uh, friend of the podcast, Nate Furman. Nate Furman was off to a fantastic start 
in um, 2023 in uh, low A Lynchburg, getting on base like crazy every day and hitting leadoff, got to Lake County and, and um, just didn't have the same feel for the bat when he got there. And, and the on base was still there. He's able to take walks, but um, really want to see what he can do this year coming off that year, see how he can improve and um, rediscover what made him good at low A. Who are we excited to see in 2024? I got a whole list of guys here. Give me one second and I will um, get to that whole list of guys in just a second. All right, guys, we're excited to see in 2024. Talk about Campbell coming back from uh, not a Tommy John, but some elbow procedure um, that was strange, but you know, hopefully he's going to be fine. There's going to be some rust, but he should start at Lake County, and I'll get a good look at him there. One of my uh, sleeper pitchers in the system is Ross Carver. I really like the stuff I saw from him at AA last year. I think he is like a tweak or two away, small tweaks, from being a mid-rotation option. Like, there's a lot of Aaron Savali to that profile. You know, he throws a little bit harder than Savali. He can throw 95, but um, he's got an array of pitches. They can miss some bats, and he's got a very short arm motion, so I think the control will get better. He didn't have good control last year. Had kind of a stop-and-start season with some injuries. Um, you know, performed fairly well in the AFL last year. He's going to be 24 uh, for, you know, 95% of the season. He'll turn 25 in late August. Big year for him. Uh, if you don't remember, Ross Carver, he was acquired in 2022 in the offseason from Arizona for – Carlos Vargas as a uh, 40-man deadline day swap for Rule 5. But, yeah, I like the stuff from him. I think he is just a, a little better control and, a, and some sequencing away from being a legitimate uh, pitching prospect in this system, which, you know, always says a lot. Uh, Will Dion, I'm excited to see. I'm, I'm ready to see what he can do at AAA. He is, should start the year AAA. I keep saying that, you know, 91-92 from him should not work. But it does, and he doesn't get give a lot of home runs, doesn't give a lot of hard contact. The, uh, the stuff just keeps getting outs as he goes up, and it's hard to keep doubting him, but I'm curious to see what he does at AAA and see if it, if, if this really is a work, thing works or if he's been getting by with smoke and mirrors for a long time. Uh, it's a big year for him. Excited to see the return of Daniel Espino. Like I said, I'm going to try not to get too excited in terms of um, stacking up good health days. Like, that's got to be proven first, but – um, when he is back on the mound, I'm so excited. It's so easy to forget just how dominant this kid was in double a, he will start the year in double a most likely, and he'll still be about a year younger than everybody else playing double a ball last year. The average age in double a was 24. Uh, he just turned 23. So he's still going to be younger, a young for the double a level. Maybe he forces his way to triple a. I don't know. That would be really exciting. And if you add a picture of Daniel Espino's, uh, caliber healthy again back to this system and the pitching factory. My goodness, you have a lot to dream on. It's it's really exciting. Um, Andrew Walters, second round pick out of Miami, reliever who could move very fast. This is another guy who could have the but could qualify for the best control among relievers. The fastball is up to 96, 97. It's a heavy fastball. It doesn't get hit hard. He can throw for strikes. Uh, misses bats. He is apparently has a good slider. Didn't see a whole lot in college, but apparently. People are really excited about Andrew Walters, a slider. Um, so I'm excited to see 
him move fast. I would hope by the end of the year he's in double A, uh, maybe in triple A if things go really well. I'm excited to see how Ryan Webb follows up his 2023 campaign. As I said before, fantastic end to 2023 and uh, in the regular season and the AFL was good. So if he can carry that momentum into 2024, that's huge for him, huge for Cleveland because I think it's there. But as we learned with other guys, you know, prospect development, not always linear. Any kind of development is not always linear. So you can't guarantee just because he had a good end to the 2023 season that it's going to have a good 2024. But, you know, you're hopeful, but that's not how it works all the time. Uh, cannot not be excited for Ralphie Velasquez, the first round pick in 2023. I suspect he will probably start in low A Lynchburg. I think he's mature enough to start at an affiliate. I don't know if Cleveland will have to hold him back at um, the Arizona Rookie League in terms of the uh, extended spring training. I don't know if they'll have to. They might. It depends on who they really value sending out to um, Lynchburg at first. Like, I'm just going to look real quickly, too, on my sheet. Like, <sighs> catching's in a weird spot. So, like, Victor Asturias probably should go to Lynchburg. Um you know, Johnny Tincher should go to Lake County. He was another was eleventh round pick last year. You know, Cody Huff should be in double A. Are they gonna send Logan Clark, who was a sixteenth round pick in twenty twenty two? Are they gonna send him to Lynchburg? You know, maybe there's a bunch of international guys that need to move up, but they just haven't proven enough yet. So I don't know. I I don't see any reason why Ralphie Velasquez should not be ready for for a single A assignment, but um We'll see what happens there. I certainly hope we'll see him there. If he doesn't start the year there, I think he'll. It won't be too long. Truthfully, I I think he'll get there sooner than later. I think he's mature enough too. And the only thing is, you know, catching catching prospects. And you know, Jeff Ellis, uh, Lockdown Guardians, and I both think that Ralphie is probably going to out hit his defense, which means, you know, he's going to hit so quick. He might hit so well that you can't afford to leave him at catcher because the catcher development might take too long and the bat might be ready before the glove, which normally it does. But, uh, um, Oh, that would be a good scenario for Cleveland because that means the bat is ready to make an impact. So we'll see there how they view him defensively going into the year. Um, I'm excited to see what, how Diane Frias falls up 2023 as well. He had a good season. I love the defense. I love the ability to pull the ball in the air a little bit from the left side. But, uh, you know, as we talked about with, uh, with Ryan Webb and others that, Development's not linear. Just because you have a good year before doesn't mean you'll have a good year going forward. It, it's, sometimes it's bad luck, you know. Sometimes it happens. So I hope I hope Frias can can follow up on the good 2023. There's no guarantees, but based on what I saw last year, I would be excited to see more of that. Christian Napsek, our first, our second draft pick on this list. Excited to see Christian play. Um, gotten a lot of good reports in terms of data on him. Uh, and exit velocities are really good. A very rotational player. Um, offensively, the glove is already plus. Um, I want to see if he can stick it short. There were some questions in the draft that he might have to move off shortstop. I haven't seen him enough yet to know for sure, but I think Cleveland would give every opportunity to stay at shortstop. But we had a lot of reports that uh, this is a guy who can hit the ball hard and um, doesn't strike out a lot. Obviously, you know, that's the Cleveland pick for the most part outside of some recent changes in philosophy, but. Um, if this is a guy who can hit the ball hard, if he can get it in the air, maybe there's something to tap into there. Uh, and that's why they liked him um, as a kind of under the radar guy. Alex Mooney, they paid good money for Alex Mooney to get in the system. It cost them a pair of other draft picks. They didn't end up signing. So uh, obviously they feel pretty strongly about Alex Mooney. I think he's an interesting player. 
I, uh, I hope he starts in Lake County. We'll see what happens. He only had a couple games at Lynchburg last year, but playing at Duke in college, I would think that he is more than ready for a high assignment. So we'll see, even though Lynchburg would be close to home for, or close to college for him uh, for the most part. Raphael Ramirez Jr., I'm excited to hear more about him in 2023. I love the swing. I think it's a good swing. Um, just a fun kid to watch from the left side. And I want to get a look at the defense. I haven't seen him play defensively yet, so I'm, I'm curious to see if he can stick a shortstop. But I think he's got the ability to control the zone. And I, like I said, I love the swing. So I, I think he should get a shot at high, at low A to start the year. And uh, I'm excited to see what that looks like for him. Cleo Watson, full, first full year in the Guardian system. I want to see what they're working on with him. I think a move to the outfield would be good for him. We haven't heard that yet, but I would like to see that. And, uh, you know, I, I just hope the first full year in the system, you know, a, a chill off season to work on stuff. Hopefully they can partner together and he can um, capture some of that first round talent that he had that year that made him so good. Jason Churio, obviously excited to see him. I think he'll start the year at Lynchburg. He ended the year there. He was solid, but, uh, you know, needs some, some feet under him in the in pro ball. So I'm excited to see him get a full year at, at, the, at an affiliate. Hopefully he'll end the year in Lake County. And then obviously Chase Lauder, excited to see how he can um, follow up 2023. Hopefully he can stay healthy all 2024. And then, uh, you know, as we know, development is not always linear. Double uh, A for him in 2024. And uh, we're hoping for obviously a big year because he could easily be the, the starting right fielder in 2025. All right. Got some questions to wrap up the episode. We will get into those in uh, just a second. All right, let's do some questions to wrap up the first episode of Guardians of the Future of 20. 24, as my voice probably is, is getting out, doing solo at this point. All right. This one comes from a longtime buddy, former listener of uh, IDI After Dark, the COVID years, and then uh, has been listening to all kinds of uh, podcasts I've been on. This one on Lockdown Guardians, big fan of VJ. Uh, with Ceiling in mind, which forgotten prospect has the most intrigue? He, he asks about Aaron Bracho. Justin Campbell, Jack Lepwich, or Ethan Hankins. Uh, talked about all of them today. I'm most intrigued by Justin Campbell because, again, he has a first-round arm, and he has a college arm. Cleveland does well developing these guys, and he just missed the year because of injury. I, I think I thought he could be a top 100 arm last year if he stayed healthy. I really did. So I'm most intrigued by him because I think you add him to the system, and obviously, as I said before, He's got to come in and he's got to shake off the rust. So it's going to be difficult for sure. There are no guarantees right there, but uh, excited to just get a look at him in the first place. I'm not really that high on Aaron Bracho at this point. I don't see a path there. Like he, you know, maybe ends up being a, a lefty infielder platoon guy, but I don't see a lot of high upside there. I hope left Butch can stay healthy this year. I like the stuff there. And then Hankins, you know, like I said before, this is a year where he has to um, no longer can claim rust. So big year for him uh, at guards two five three. What are the odds? Angel Martinez is the starting center field by June first. 
if he means the major league level, I hope none, because that would be bad. Um, Angel Martinez has never played the outfield in his life at the, at the pro level. Um, he is getting some reps or at least some practice in the offseason at home and just doing some drills like that. That does not equate to in-game situations at all. And, you know, I'll be curious to see if it happens for him at the uh, in the at the pro level this year. I assume he'll start in AAA. I'd be surprised. I wouldn't, you know, I could see them working him into the outfield mix. Do I think that he'll, you know, stay in the outfield? I don't know. Cleveland loves to make sure guys get versatility and what they can do. Um, I'd definitely be interested in getting a look at him in center field, but by June 1st, that would not be good um, for anybody. I'd be stunned if that happened for him. He would have to have a, a complete turnaround offensively from last year um, on top of being able to master a brand new position to him um, all by June. Uh, if that happened, when you asked me that question, I would say that um, that's not the same as winning the lottery. So, uh, hey, Cleveland did that, so I guess never say never, but um, that would be very, very bizarre for a lot of reasons. Our friend Matan, uh, who's done some writing over for us at uh, Next Year in Cleveland, who will be the unknown breakout star in the Cleveland system, and why will be Raphael Maris Jr.? As I said before, I am uh, very intrigued by Raphael Maris Jr., I think, uh, he should start the year at Lynchburg. Be good to get some video on him, get him some data outside of uh, the complex leagues. I, again, I really like the swing from this kid uh, from the left side of the plate. I want to see what he can do defensively. I think he's got control of the strike zone, and um, that doesn't always translate from, from the complex leagues, so who knows. But this guy got the ball in the air a ton in the complex leagues and pulled it. So if he can translate that into um, – Doing that at a higher level, that would be really fun to see. He's going to be 18 for a good chunk of the year. He'll turn 19 on July 22nd, so still gets to play at low A for, at age 18 for a, a chunk of the year. That'd be huge for him. If he can get to high A this year somehow, um, that means things have probably gone well for him. So, you know, we'll see. I, but I'm excited for the potential here. I think, like I said, I like the swing a lot. I like the ability to control the strike zone. I want to get a better look at the defense, but uh, I'm very excited there. Our pal Chuck said, where are you in Angel Martinez right now? What do you project he can be? Man, a year ago, I thought Angel Martinez, like I said, was was a potential top 100 prospect. I really did. Um, I'm just not there right now. I, I, I want to say I want to give the kid a mulligan because, you know, like I gave Bo Naylor, I'm not saying I gave him, but my personal evaluation process, I gave Bo Naylor a mulligan in 2021 after, you know, a bad year coming off of the COVID year and all that stuff. And, you know, it worked out well. I believed in him. I, I wish I had the same level of belief in Angel Martinez, but um, just did not look the same last year. Not like the same hitter at all. I don't think he can play short. I thought coming into last year that he for sure could play shortstop. Um, I'm a little more convinced now coming in 2024, he is not a shortstop. So that brings his value down quite a bit. There's just not enough there for me to get excited about other than being a a backup infielder. So we're talking about, you know, a guy who could be a major leaguer, could be a nice um, guy that can move around the infield a little bit and, and give you some time at shortstop and switch hit all that kind of stuff. Um, we'll see, but I'm, I'm unfortunately, I have to say I'm lower on Martinez coming into the year than I was a year ago, but you know, things can change. I could be wrong. I'm wrong a lot. I don't know everything. I don't ever claim to know everything, but, uh, 
I was definitely uh, for sure on him last year. Uh, John Drain, curious about the prognosis of pitchers overcoming injuries. Uh, he mentions Josh Wolf, Lenny Torres, Justin Campbell, Ethan Hankins, Espino, the Slavic relievers. I don't know who that is. Are we talking uh, Slavic relievers? I'm not sure we're talking. Are we talking about Mikolajek and Missy Azek? I'm not up in my Slavic names. You know, for living in Cleveland, I think I should probably know Slavic names a little better. Maybe I should be embarrassed by that. Um, yeah, I, I would. I'm going to guess that's those two guys. I'm just looking around the roster. I'm like trying to wrap my head around who else are we talking about here? Um, yeah, I gotta think those are the two guys. I'm spending a lot of time on this this uh, Slavic ref, reference here. Um, I was gonna say Stephen Hajar, but I don't think that's a Slavic reference, and he's not a reliever yet, even though he he should be a reliever anyway. So uh, Josh Wolf was healthy all last year, just you know wasn't good. It's unfortunate he wasn't good. I don't see a path forward for him at this point, but, uh, you know, he'll keep trying at it. Cleveland will keep trying at it because he was part of the Lindor trade, so um, still got chances there, and he's young. I like the kid, but uh, it's probably as a reliever at this point, and he's just got to stay healthy and, and stay consistent. Lenny Torres, you know, he's throwing 99, 100 now, and certainly showed some moments out of the bullpen. Just has not found a whole lot of consistency with that fastball. Uh, whether it's walking guys or just getting hit really hard, it just hasn't been there for him. Um, all it takes is one year to click and put it together, but, you know, I, I don't have a lot. I'm skeptical about whether or not it actually happens. Campbell, we talked about plenty. Um, you know, he should start the year on time, no restrictions in 2024. That's good. Hankins, you know, got to, like I said, got to pitch or get off the pot. Like, this is it for him. Can't use the rust excuse in 2024. It is time for him to... Um, show who he really is in 2024. Espino, you know, he looks like he's ahead of, ahead of schedule, but they said a 12 to 18 month um, return from maybe 14 to 18 months. So I would still say anything before May. Uh, if, you, if you're talking about him starting a minor league game or whatever it is yeah, before May or June, I think that's a great sign. So keep the expectations low. And then if, if you're talking about Mikolacek and Misiazek, I hope you are. Uh, I talked about him as one of my guys for bounce backs this year, I'm hoping. Um, but he is going to be 26, and or he is 26 already. Yeah, this is Missy Ozek. They were both 40-man cusp guys. They were right there, and they got hurt. It's just bad timing for them. Um, so they're both going to be shaking off some rust this year, which is going to be hard. It's going to be hard to, to prove your worth the organization and prove that you are deserving a roster spot, whether that's here or somewhere else in the Rule 5 draft. Coming off an injury, it's a very hard time. It's it's a lot to ask, but uh, um, you know, I hope best for those guys. They were very close before. A couple of late entries into the question pane um, before we wrap up this first episode. Clee BCG um, thoughts on the international signing class, especially Roberto Arias. So, I really don't have much to say on the international signing class. This is not an area where I really focus too heavily. Because these are 16-year-old kids who have been um, negotiated or have been signed signed with Cleveland since they were 14. It's crazy. Um, you know, you're not allowed. You're not allowed to sign these kids before they're 16. But when they're 14, 15, posting on Instagram, working out in Cleveland Guardians gear, and this is not just Cleveland. It's everybody. Everybody. Every every kid is doing this. They have agreements with these teams, and then they're 14 years old. It's crazy. If that's even legal, and we're talking about that kind of thing. Um, 
I don't get into that a lot because A, they have not played in real games that I've been able to see. B, all that's out there is like, you know, Twitter or Instagram video that's just them taking BP or, um, you know, playing on the backfield, things like that. And, uh, yeah. Roberto Arias, though, I'll tell you what I have seen. It's a very unorthodox swing. I'm not a big fan of the profile. Uh, it's a, it's again, it's another hit over power profile. And I'm not saying those are all bad things, but um, the hit tool is the hardest tool to evaluate as a in baseball at every level, especially turning amateurs into pros. And the fact that Cleveland continues to bank on heavily on the hit tool and they haven't really identified it. Look, the hit tool is controversial. Like, I could do a whole episode on this, okay? Ernie Clement, like, there, I love Ernie Clement, obviously, the person. We all do. I, I think if you're a Guardians fan, you love Ernie Clement, the person. There were people who thought that, like, oh, this is a guy with a 70 grade hit tool. It's because he makes a lot of contact. I don't think just because you can hit you know, 80 ground balls to second base at 88 miles an hour instead of striking out means you have a great hit tool. means you have good hand-eye coordination. means you have bat-to-ball skills. It doesn't necessarily mean you can hit because in order to hit means you actually can hit. And I'm talking like hitting for average, hitting for power, making an impact when you're hitting the ball. So your hit tool isn't just your ability to make contact. There is so much more to me that goes into the hit tool. I think there are people who are different on this. Um, and again, no disrespect to Ernie Clement, you know, Cleveland legend, one of the best relievers in Cleveland all time. Um, but just because you can hit a ground ball to shortstop at 85 miles an hour, instead of striking out a hundred times a year, doesn't mean you're a great hitter or you're going to hit. It just means you make a lot of contact. Those are, those are not the same thing. So Cleveland's, you know, betting on a guy like Roberto Arias who has an unorthodox swing from what I can see. And it's a hit over power profile. And you're trying to project a 16 year old to age 22 at the major league level that this is going to, this hit tool is going to carry him for the next six years. And it's going to make him a, a major league baseball player. All tools are hard to evaluate. I mean, speed, speed is speed for the most part, but, uh, a lot of tools are hard to evaluate until you get them into a game setting. And I just think that it's the hit tool is so risky when you do a hit over power profile, because if you are wrong on the hit tool, you have nothing to fall back on because the power maybe isn't there. And then everything else is speed defense. And then at that point you're just collecting, you know, fourth outfielders, which is where Cleveland's been since uh, Michael Brantley, uh, happy trails to Dr. Smooth. So banking on that hip hit tool is just very risky. It's not safe at all. You know, the idea of making contact seems safe, but the quality of contact is not. And again, if you're wrong about that and you were banking on a hit over power profile, then all you've got left is speed and defense. It's it's a hard profile. So uh, that's not really Aria specific. It sort of is, but it's not. But my other point was I just don't like to evaluate those kids because I haven't seen them in person. The video quality is not good. And I would just be telling you, Ben Badler's reports from Baseball America or um, Jesse, oof, I'm going to blank on the name from, from LB.com. I would be, I would just be regurgitating their scouting reports until I saw something more. So unfair for me to comment, but you know, that's all I can say about Arias. Uh, last one in the hopper this week is Jordan CLE. How does Juan Brito fit into this team? Likely blocked at second or short. 
Does left field a possibility? Couldn't he move Jose to DH to make room in a year or two? Do we trade him? I'm going to go and guess they're not going to trade him. <laughs> they uh, they went out of their way to trade Nolan Jones for him. So um, I would be kind of shocked if they ended up trading Juan Brito. Sorry, I'm turning my head because I think they're going to have the NCAA football commercial on finally for the video game. Um, I can always catch it elsewhere, but um, I don't think Brito's blocked at second base. I think it, what's going to happen is it's going to depend on the performance of Roki and Arias. And Roki and Arias, I think, are both going to get chances in 2024. So um, I don't know. Brito would really have to play very well to force his way to the major league level this year. And those two would have to just not look like they're prepared to play in the majors at all. So I don't want to say he's blocked because Brito could use this whole year in triple a. Um, I think we're talking more about 2025 for Brito. I uh, just because I think Cleveland's going to give Rokio and Arias both chances to claim the shortstop job. And they certainly need to give Brito time in triple a. Um, it's not to say that by August or September that if things don't go well, at the major league level and they do will go well for Brito that he couldn't be a second base for Cleveland. Um, I do think there is a scenario out there that exists that Brio could be the future second baseman and Jimenez is the future shortstop, and I like that. I think that's a good outcome for Cleveland. I don't know what it says about Roque and Arias, but I think it's – I believe in the bat for the most part about Brito. Um, I can get into that later, but uh, left field could be an option for him as well. Um, I think that, that makes sense if you want to move Quan to center field. So we'll see. I just don't think it's going to happen until, you know, at best August. But that also depends on Arias and Rokio floundering, which, you know, it's its own set of questions right there. And Brito also has to play well at AAA to make that happen as well. So it's uh, not a question that can be answered very quickly, I will say. But there, that's all your scenarios, really. All right. This, that's going to wrap it up for the first episode of the Guardians of the Future podcast 2024. Thank you for listening. I know the uh, the numbers have dwindled. There's a bunch of hardcore fans out there who listen, and I don't always have guests right now. And um, I will have guests again throughout the year, like I did last year. And um, we'll talk a lot of draft. Obviously, we'll talk about what's going on in the minors. I'll bring some interviews on here. I collect from from games. I'll try to get more guests again to break down the system and the players, all that kind of stuff going into the year. Um, all that fun stuff. In the meantime, listen to Lockdown Guardians for more. If you're uh, not sick of my voice and uh, my opinions, which, you know, hey, if you are, I don't, I don't blame you. Sometimes I get sick of them. My wife gets sick of them. Um, can only take so much. But I appreciate whoever listens for sticking with me for the inconsistent schedule of this podcast and, uh, you know, going back and forth on the uh, the platform and how it all works. What I got going on here, I wanted to update you real quick, too. Uh, if you're a reader of Next Year in Cleveland, I'd love for you to go and subscribe. It's, it's free. You don't got to contribute anything especially because uh, my writing there has been inconsistent at best too. But as we hit the new year, it's time to uh, put some stuff on the schedule as far as writing is concerned. So here's what I got coming up over at uh, uh, next year in Cleveland. If you're interested in more writing on my on prospects for me. So um, graduated prospect reports. So obviously guys like Tanner Bybee, Gavin Williams, um, Bo Naylor, all those guys graduated from the list from last year. So I like to do a little bit of a post-graduate uh, report and write up their the scouting report on them and, and see where I was on them as a prospect versus what they did in the pros, or in the majors, I should say. 
and uh, you know, see where maybe I got it wrong and, and evaluate from there and kind of give them their, their graduation report as it were. Uh, after that, I'm going to start sorting prospects into best by position. I used to do this thing where I would do top 10 by position. So top 10 catchers, top 10 first baseman, top 10 second baseman, you know, whatever. Um, that to me doesn't make sense anymore. Top 10, because there are not 10 catchers in the system worth ranking. There are not 10 second basemen in the system worth ranking. There may not be 10 outfielders in the system worth ranking, um, in terms of who I want to write about at least. So what I'm going to do from that is going to be a top 10 or a top five position. So it might be a top five catchers. It might be top three third first baseman. I'm just going to rank whoever I think deserves to be ranked by position. I'll put those out there um, for everybody to see as well. And, and that'll pull into my, uh, my 2024 top prospect list. I have best tools. So I'll do a content on best tools in the system as well. You know, best, best hit tool, best power, best fastball, all that stuff. I'll do that going into 2024 as well. And then obviously the 2024 top prospects left list in the system. I don't know uh, how deep I'm going to go this year. I'm going to be writing all the reports myself in 2024 for the first time. So I don't know how deep I'll go, but um, normally I like to just, I don't like to do like a top 30 or top 50 or whatever. I like to just do um, reports on whoever I think deserves a report, whoever is interesting enough to write up. So that might be 38. It could be 45. It could be 61. I don't think it'll be 61, but um, you get my point. I'll try to do that and, and get those going. But, uh, you know, head over next year in Cleveland to read up on that. Again, thank you for listening to Guardians of the Future, the first one of 2024. I can't believe I did this for an hour solo. Um, if you're here at the end, I can't believe you listened for an hour solo. Um, that is more supportive than uh, a lot of people in my life on these podcasts sometimes. So, uh, appreciate you being here. Appreciate you listening. It would be great if you could leave us, leave us, leave me, I don't know, an iTunes review or a comment on YouTube or um, share with a friend, whatever. Let's see if we can uh, get this party going again in 2024 with this podcast. Let's, let's bring it back to the glory right? and it's uh, days of smoke signals and the days of uh, Guardians of the Future with me and Willie Hood, who I don't know if he'll rejoin us again this year or not. We'll see, but uh, we had some glory days once and, uh, you know. I may not be as good as I once was, but I'm as good once as I ever was, and I'll try to be good once every other week for you in 2024 on this podcast. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll catch you again soon.